Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 60. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, one more week for the crawfish, man. You getting excited? I am. I am. I am. This time next week, we normally record on Fridays. This time next week, I'll be on the road heading down to Orange Beach, Alabama. I have, I will have consumed as much crawfish as they will allow me to and have probably had a great time. Uh, excited, as you're talking about, Josh, is the Fort Worth Young Professionals Energy Event uh, Crawfish Pool, which will be at Colonial on the 13th hole. I think they still have a few tickets left. Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com. If you want to go to that event, let me know. Would love to have you there meet up. Um, I'm excited to get to go watch a little bit of uh, PGA golf. I never got to see that before, Josh. And then that, that night, hang out with everyone. I think they're expecting like 150, 175 people, so it should be a good turnout. Awesome, awesome. Well, Ryan, you know, we uh, we like to give some shout-outs to, to some folks uh, when they go – Give us some five-star reviews. We have two, no, four or five-star reviews came in this week, so thanks, everybody, for that. Uh, two written reviews, Ryan. Joe Harwell, he wrote good insight into the not only Texas oil, but also the global market. Uh, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. And Chase Lafferty with Spectrum Tracer Services. Uh, he wrote, as a young professional in the oil and gas industry, this podcast is very valuable for keeping up with industry news. They have great guests, touch tough topics, uh, touch topics throughout all segments of the oil and gas industry, and it's excellent source for business development intel. I think it'll be a very interesting interview. A guest knowledgeable in fracture diagnostics and optimization, for example, how operators are using data from micro seismic chemical tracers, fiber optics to optimize their well spacing and reevaluate the production implications of infield drilling. Keep up the good work, boys. Yeah, so real quick, Josh, what was the name of the company again? It's Spectrum Tracer Services, and Chase Lafferty is the one who wrote the review. So thank you, Chase. There's a free shout-out for your company right there. I get asked all the time, how do we get our company on the podcast? It's free, a five-star review, and everyone is entered to win the $50 giveaway. You know, Josh, I got to think about that after we talked about this last week on the show. We have right now enough five-star reviews that if everyone who went and left the the five-star rating, actually went and typed up something like Chase did or uh, Joe did, um, we would hit that goal within a week. So um, if you have, if you just put the stars up there, we don't know who you are. So that's why you got to actually put in some content below so we can enter you in for the drawing for our $50 Visa giveaway. And uh, really appreciate it, guys. Really thank you uh, for taking the time to do that. And um, it's, it's always encouraging to hear what people like to hear. And we will try to get someone on to talk about that, Chase. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Might have to go to somebody at Spectrum Tracer Services, maybe even uh, reach out to Chase, see if he's available. Maybe he can come on and discuss it. We get some uh, some some information up and see what we can do. It's going to cost him another five-star review, though. Ah, yeah, we got one more, <laughs> more Oh, man. Well, let's thank our sponsor, uh, which is, of course, Drilling Info. Um you know, we talk about giving away free money. Here's free money that you can get right now by opening your account at Drilling Info. If you go to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse, you can get your free $100 credit to start your account today. If you're a land professional, survey, um, you need land records, landman, anything like that, 
Drilling Info has you covered, and you get a free $100 right now by going to globalenergymedia.com slash courthouse. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a free hundred dollars, Josh. Who doesn't who doesn't like free hundred dollars? I like free hundred dollars. You like free hundred dollars. Everyone likes a free hundred dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah, three hundred dollars, man. Go, go take advantage of it. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure if a lot of people, there's lots of cool stuff they can they can find out by going to the courthouse information and pulling it up. Well, Ryan, you know we got uh, an article this week that we wanted to kick things off with. Not my favorite article, but. Something I think it was at least worth looking at. The article is from Houston Public Media, uh, and the title of the article is With Lower for Longer Oil Prices, Houston Might Need a New Job Creator. Uh, so I think I think these articles go more for, for headlines. But just looking at it, Ryan, I, I, I mean, even the headline, Lower for Longer Oil Prices, I mean, even the oil prices themselves have been, have been pretty strong here lately. So I wonder, I mean... I don't know. Well, what do you think about the article? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of starts off with a presumption, right? With lower for longer oil prices. If you said, if there's going to be lower for longer oil prices. Now, one of the things that we know when you're forecasting the price of oil is that nobody knows. And I sent you a report this week, Josh. We're not going to talk about it on the show, but um, I think me and Ellen and I talked about it on Energy Week. You know, detailing some predictions for the price of oil. And there's a lot of people who think that Brent was going to hit a hundred dollars next year. Um, doesn't mean that they will. doesn't mean that it won't. It, it could. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, we're at 70, I think WDI hadn't looked at today. Um, so the price is good right now. This isn't lower for longer. Um, this is right where it should be. Could we be in a lower, longer, lower for longer environment? Maybe the problem here. And I think, so first off, let's address the lower for longer mentality, which a lot of people um, subscribe to. And, and, and for a long period of time, I was kind of, hey, yeah, I think that's right. I'm, I'm a little bit torn now on that, and here's why. If you look at the demand for oil, how it, how it should, and should is the key word, should increase on a global scale year in, year out, um, you, you can see these potential to have more and more oil that's needed. And then if you look at something like EVs, that's the big talk. EVs are going to displace oil and gas. Well, if you look at the transportation fuels, so you've got like air airliners, um, you know, like air, airplanes, marine, like big tanks, stuff like that. Um, that's a certain percentage. Then you have like the big diesel trucks, the big 18 wheelers, right? That's kind of the, the, the vast majority. Um, and then you have like cars, like, you know, regular cars, pickups. That's like 20% of the fuel. So um, of, I think, I think, um, transportation fuels make up like 54 percent uh 56 percent something like that of what we use oil for okay well uh the, the first two i mentioned like airliners uh tankers stuff like that and trucks make up 36 percent of that and the remaining 20 percent 18 percent whatever it is is regular cars so if you go in and you say hey evs are going to replace 20 percent to all 20 percent of the cars well that would be kind of the the optimal idea because they're not going to replace all these these trucks, these big rigs anytime soon. Um, so the EVs, really, if you look at it practically, you say, well, they're not going to replace all 20% of the cars. So what would their impact on the market be? It's probably not as great as we think it is. Um, it's going to have some impact. But then you go to areas like Africa or India um, or China, and as they grow into, um, you know, their, their economies grow. If you look at North Korea, um, if that, you know, Trump's able to work out a deal there, we start to see them come into a, um, try to come into a first world type economy. All of those things require more oil, which means that the demand will go up. Um, 
Now, right now, what's going on is you have Venezuela. They're, they're, they're in shambles. Um, the Iran deal, we don't know what's going to happen there. It's kind of early to say. And so you look at all this, and you go, there's a, ca- there's a case to be made that lower for longer isn't going to be there. Now, there's a case that you can say lower, lower for longer is there. So I, I just say, I like to say that it starts off with the assumption that lower for longer, um, and I'm not sure that that's something we should, I think that's a presupposition that we should question. So that'd be the first thing. That's a long-winded way of answering that. We should question that. Is that really the case? The other thing is, you know, as we go on, there's going to be more and more jobs that are created that are different jobs. We keep talking about this over and over again. And so I'm curious to see. So obviously we know that those the, the years that they're talking about when they had, um, when they had, um, you know, the, the, these the unemployment, you know, plummet. Obviously we all there's no denying that. But now as we come out of it, we're seeing different types of jobs, new types of jobs, jobs that aren't classified historically in the industry. Um, are those jobs part of what they're talking about? And so for me, it's one of these things where it's like yeah, they could be right, but but. The question would be is, is what are you going to do? How are you going to build a new industry in Houston? Um, and I'm not saying you can't, but if you're saying, hey, traffic is part of the problem in Houston, which they say, um, and you create, you try to bring in a new huge industry. I don't know what that would be, but you know, some kind of new huge industry. And then you have oil and gas. It seemed like traffic would become worse, which is part of the problem that you're laying out here. Um, the other thing is, is that it's not, not enough educated workers. I don't even know what that means. Um I'm not even sure. Are they saying college degree workers? Are they saying high school degree, vocational? I, I don't know what that means. To me, that's kind of one of those. Um, well, it seems that it seems that it's a shortage of jobs for for people with that qualifications. So the thing is, like like you mentioned, the the job qualifications, the code numbers that they use to count these people is something that is something. Uh, it, it should be discussed or at least investigated. I mean, if you look at what they're saying from 20, 2014 to 2017, they cut almost 60,000 oil field jobs, but they're not counting the jobs that are being created in other areas like higher efficiencies, technology. It's, it's bringing other people in. There's no way to track that. And we, we, we seem to, I mean, we're be, we've beaten this dead horse to death as we talk about it uh, so often. But it just seems that uh, the more articles come out, the more people are ignoring the fact that. There are so many other jobs that are coming up uh, available um, that are being created in the changing industry that, that they're not really accounting for. Yeah. And I'll just say this, because if you hear Josh and I kind of beating this drum, go look up the book. I think it's called iPencil. Um, I think I'll look it up real quick while we're talking. I think it's called iPencil. And, and, and for folks who might be going, why, why do y'all keep so much efficiencies creates more jobs? Um if you go look up the book, I Pencil, yeah, I Pencil, it's um, I Comma Pencil, I believe is how the title goes. Let's see here. Um, if you go read that book, it talks about, um, yeah, by Leonard Reed, I Pencil by Leonard Reed. It talks about how a pencil is made and how it gets to you. And so it's very important to understand that that, that a pencil, we think of a pencil as a very simple piece of, um, not machinery, but a very simple tool. Go read a what it takes to get a pencil made to you. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And so we don't think in terms like this, economists that are trying to get government numbers. They surely don't think in terms like this. Um, so all of these things, we keep talking about this. The reason I'm not now, now if oil plumbs to 20, then yeah, Hey, right. You know, efficiencies won't matter. Um, but if oil was between 50 and 70, you're just continue to see new efficiencies, which means different types of jobs. Um, and it kind of goes with that same eye pencil mentality, creating something new, something more efficient, 
rarely means less jobs. And one thing I'll say about last night, Josh, uh, not, not about this in general, but just about the economy and how it works. Um, you know, there are people right now who make a living on YouTube, full-time doing YouTube. Do, do you know how crazy that is? That the people make a full-time living mm-hmm. on YouTube? That, that was a job that, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? I don't know. Didn't even exist. Didn't even exist. exist. Now, are those people considered entertainers, commentators? Um, you know, some of these people are in movies. You know, who is classifying these people? And what is their classification? I have no idea. But but then you got to think about that. So if people are making a living on YouTube, what does that mean? Well, they're buying laptops, they're buying microphones, they're buying microphone stands, they're buying pop filters, lights, software, apps. I mean, all of this stuff because people are making money on YouTube. And that's what we're saying. So you just take that analogy to the little gas. Well... If they figure out some way to increase a, um, they use some software to improve a drilling efficiency. Um, well, that software is, you know, it has engineers, it ha- uh, you know, uh, accountants, lawyers, project managers, administrative staff, janitorial staff, all of these people that you're not even thinking about. So that, that that's, I hope that makes sense. But that's why we're always kind of beating this drum, pushing against the narrative that there's less jobs in the industry. There are less of the old type jobs, and we can debate if that's good or bad or not. But there's just less of those. So, well, uh, well, Ryan, uh, moving on to a conference that is the Midstream Texas Conference uh, that was this week, I believe. Oil and gas experts address pipeline issues. So this has come up pretty often as well. Something that we've been discussing. It's one of the reasons why the Port of Corpus Christi needs to get done. Uh, but the, the, the Permian surge is creating, uh, some backup. Uh, I think just to give you some numbers here, 2017, January, over 687,000 barrels a day were being produced from the Permian this year in January, it was 3.89 million barrels per day. So that's, that's about seven times as much so a 700% increase in production. Um, that is, they're having a hard time getting all of that production out, uh, getting it transported. So they're discussing that at this Midstream Texas conference, and uh, none other than uh, Joe Dancy, our, our guest that was on last week, he was there uh, discussing it. And I believe we had some notes uh, from some of the things that they were discussing there as well. So um, cool stuff. I, I think I think it's something that they are continuing to work on to try to figure out. We're going to have uh, a mention at the end about an epic pipeline that we've been tracking for really since like second or third episode. But there are some companies that are joining in um, to to help with that project to get it done. I believe they're estimated to be uh, up and running by the end of 2019. Uh, but that's really not going to be enough. They really need more. I mean, they need three epics to really Yeah, so, so slight correction, Josh. I think you're confusing the Interstate Oil and Gas Commission that he's on with this conference. This conference is actually June 5th and 6th, so it hasn't happened yet. This is a, yeah. So the, inter- uh, the Interstate Oil and Gas stuff that we released last week on the show is that. So I think you got those those things um, swapped there. Yes, but you are correct. This is an issue. It is something um, that, you know, we get David Blackman on. We can talk to him about because he has some interesting thoughts on where this will be by the end of 2019. But, um it's something to watch, and I'm curious if you're going to be out there. I think about going to this conference out in Midland. Let me know, Ryan, at Um Looks like a lot of good speakers that will be there, especially I'm curious to hear some comments. I don't want to say, but some, some of my clients will be, um, not my direct clients, but companies I work for, will be presenting there. And so I'm curious to hear what they have to say because, um, hey, I'm trying to get work always, so this is a good spot to hear about who's going to be building projects in the near future. 
Well, absolutely. Well, you know, Ryan, we, we hit uh, we hit a lot of good news uh, in the last few weeks. We got one company that uh, it's a, a oil and gas company owned by a Fort Worth family. They are filing bankruptcy. This is Enduro Resource Partners. We've talked a little bit about them in the past. Uh, they have been gaining debt for the last three years since uh, since 2014. And they, they, they worked hard to try to prevent this from happening last year, but, uh, they just couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't work around the debt, man. They, they did everything they could to, to work some numbers around, invest in different infrastructure projects. And, uh, they're going, they're going belly up. They've already sold a few things off. Uh, but it looks like some of the investors are going to be losing some money because, uh, they, they're owed like 200 or something million and they're only going to be getting, I think like 96 or so. Yeah, it's a sad story. It's one of these so, stories that, um, you know, we, we, we talked about last year. The price is going to come up, but you will see these stories of companies who just can't make it because it's just, you know, it's it kind of that narrative I like to use is if you got straight A's and then you start making F's, you know, you, you know <laughs> that average drops down really low. And if you continue, and if you continue to make F's, um, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you don't have a B, you don't have a C, you don't have a D, you're in F territory. And especially if those F's are low. And we had some low Fs in the oil and gas industry the past couple of years, um, so sad headline. Hate to see these people who looks like they tried to, they you know, they did everything that they could. It looks like, I mean, I don't know, but it looks like they they did their best. And uh, it's a sad story, Josh, but um, it is what it is. Yep. Well, uh, next thing we have, Ryan uh, Conoco Phillips chooses Eagleford over Permian. And I was wanting to discuss this with you. I was uh, reading over it and. I think we did, I don't remember how long ago it was, but we were comparing the Permian and the Eagleford, and there were some folks that were selling all their Eagleford assets, moving everything over to the Permian. There were others that were pulling out of the Permian because of competition and going to the Eagleford because it was, you know, uh, less hairy over there, you know, not as much not as much uh, people getting at each other. It just seemed to be a little, little more peaceful over in the Eagleford. But uh, the, the one of the things that came up was the reason why people were going all in in the Permian was because it was cheaper. But ConocoPhillips is choosing Eagleford because it's cheaper. So how do, how do those? I mean, how does that work, Ron? When when you have companies that are going to the Permian because it's cheaper, and then other people are leaving the Permian and going to Eagleford because it's cheaper. Um, I mean, how does how do they how do they square those accounts? Because it seems like these articles are coming out almost simultaneously. But it seems right. like competing so claims. I think you know. This is, I think we talked about this on the show a long time ago, kind of this narrative of the Permian versus OPEC. And that's the, it's the same thing here. There is no Permian versus OPEC. And here's why. We have companies that have different strategic interests, and they have different goals, and they have different ideas, different technology, um, different acreage. And so all of these things come together, and they have different strategies. You know, some companies are far more aggressive than others. And so you, you start weighing all these factors in, and how you see the world becomes different. So a company like Pioneer, like you mentioned, they sold all their stuff. They're going in on the Permian. Good for them. Um, and so you look at a company like ConocoPhillips, who doesn't seem to be as aggressive as um, as Pioneer is on the Permian stuff. And they're, they're looking at the Eagle for going, you know, we might can get lower labor costs. Maybe the trucking cost. I don't know these numbers to be exact. I'm just saying that you, I could see scenarios where certain things in the Eagleford 
could actually be cheaper than the Permian just because there's so much demand out there in the Permian right now. Um, they might have some acreage in the per, uh, in the Eagle Fruit that is better than their Permian acreage was. And so they might not have good acreage in the Permian. So when you look at an article like this, it doesn't surprise me because, A, just from a standpoint of if Josh was running a business and Ryan was running a business, we might look at it completely differently. And so I might want to be in the Permian and, and competing with everyone. And you might say, you know what, I don't want to deal with that at all. And so, um, it, or we both might have wanted to get in and you got in first and I got in last, which means that my Permian acreage wasn't that good. So the Eagle Fruit's better for me. So there's a lot of reasons you could see this. Um, and, and I think this is good. You know, it's good because there's going to be opportunities in other places that are available there. You might can pick up some acreage swaps, some acreage deals. You might have your half companies that are going to go out of business like we just talked about. You can pick up their acreage. So I think these type of articles are what we need to be reminded of. And I know I've said from a business development standpoint on the show, this is how we want to think because everyone's going Permian, 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 Permian. Okay, great. Go go land all the work in Permian you can. But you know what? There's stuff in Eagleford. ConocoPhillips is in Eagleford working, and there's going to be opportunities there as well. So um, it's good. It's a good reminder to remember that. Hey, we love the Permian, but there's other stuff going on too. Well, you know, Ryan, it reminds me of uh, Hurricane Harvey that came through in Texas, and uh, we were talking a little bit about some of these gas stations that were running low on water, and then they were selling the water for like ten times the normal price. And it, uh, I think one of the things you mentioned off the show earlier was um, in the Permian, there's so much stuff going on that there are these people that are able to jack their prices up because the demand for, for everything is so high. So one of the reasons why it's going to be cheaper to go into the Eagleford is because there's not that kind of demand. You don't have shortages of stuff. So people may have to pay, pay to play you know, in the Permian. You, there's people that can drive up costs, and there's not a lot that these companies can do about it. They need to get the equipment or they need to get uh, stuff in a quick way and, and they, you know, they go and they buy. So, um, that's one possibility that, that, uh, this super high demand in the Permian area is causing increases in prices in all sorts of different areas that end up affecting the bottom line. So ConocoPhillips may see that, say we can get a better return on investment in these areas because we can get lower, lower labor costs or lower equipment costs or, you know, things like that. So, um, certainly something to, to look at, and, and I think I pulled up uh, another article where uh, David Blackman, one of our recent guests, or he, he comes on probably once every six weeks. He's got what he calls a shell splainer. Why is the Permian Basin more attractive than other shell plays? And one of the things he talks about is the, some of the lower prices that, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, uh, I believe he mentions that the uh, prices in the Permian tend to be lower uh, than the prices of Eagle Fur, at least in some, some sense. So, uh, you know, it's certainly certainly something to look at and for companies like you mentioned to see which one works for them. I mean, it, you may have a, a really tight group company can come into the Eagleford and, and just looking at kind of the Phillips numbers. I mean, they were hitting, I think, 50, 50.6% return, whereas average for the industry is 36.3. So knocking it out of the park. Uh, but Ryan, what about to scale? I mean, if I think these other companies, bigger companies, right. are looking at the Permian. And even if they're at 36.3% return on their investment, if they're doing 100 times as much, they're still making a yeah, lot more money. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think for me the, the big thing is not all companies are equal. Not all companies have the same idea. Not all companies have the same goal. And this is kind of, you know, 
it's one of these things that it's it's hard. So David Blackman's article you know makes a lot of good points about why the Permian is a lucrative deal. Um, but and I know David, would, I, I I said no. I believe David would agree with me on this, and so I don't think I'm saying anything that's crazy here. Um, just because the Permian is the best deal in general, it doesn't mean it's the best deal for you. And so I think one of the things as oil and gas people and people in general is we hear this is the number one thing. And so everyone kind of migrates to that. Now, because if it, if it, so assuming it is the number one thing, that's a great strategy. But also, it's it could be a bad strategy because the smaller of a company you are, the harder it is for you to compete in the bigger market. Um, because you're going to potentially have to face competition that has a bigger budget, better salary, um, people who might have more skill than you, all these things. Um, and so I, I think even at the oil and gas company level, you're seeing the same thing where um, uh, different companies, you know, they're looking at it going, we have this huge goal, this huge plan that we're trying to execute on. And, you know, we got stockholders we're trying to get returns to. We have all these things we're trying to weave together. And is the Permian where we want to go? And, and so I think, you know, acreage is going to be a big part of that. What kind of acreage do you have? You know, what kind of infrastructure deals can you get? Can you get pipeline deals in place? Stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of factors. And so I think, you know, whether you're on the oil and gas side or if you're on the vendor side like I am, um, you know, the Permian is great. So this is not an anti-Permian deal. It's just you guys sit back and be real. Okay, do we go out to the Permian where, where everyone is at, or do you go out to the Eagleford? Or maybe there's a little bit less competition. Maybe you can find some better acreage or some better better deals on pipelines, like you mentioned. Um, and so, I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's either. I don't think I don't think it has to be an either or or one's good, one's bad. I think it's just a business strategy that each company has to decide what their strategy is. And some are doing both, and more power to them too. Yeah, well, Ryan, we are entering to our uh, last segment of the show. Um, I was going to go ahead and pull up the rig count before we do our Texas Roundup. The rig count for the week was 1,110. So we finally clipped over that 1,100 mark uh, to 1,110. It's been, seems like it's been ticking up uh, every week uh, over the last, I mean, just marginally going up. I mean, uh, let me. Over the last thirty days, Ryan, it seems like it's had a you know a, a two or three percent increase. Oh yeah, yep. No, it's it's um it's staying steady but good. It's not plummeting like some people might have thought. So it's a good spot right now. All right, Texas Roundup, Ryan. We have two things we wanted to talk about today. One of them is going to be some stocks that we're going to get with Cal and Petroleum. Uh, but the one I mentioned earlier on today in the show was the Epic Permian Oil Pipeline. Apache and Noble are signing on to uh, to come in and contribute to get this Permian pipeline done. So this pipeline, if, if anyone uh, doesn't remember, is going to be running from the New Mexico border to Corpus Christi. It's 730-mile pipeline. It's, uh, it's being built by San Antonio-based Epic Midstream Holdings. And Apache and Noble have committed to use 30% of the Epic oil pipeline's capacity of 590,000 barrels a day. So if you remember the numbers I just spit out a minute ago, the Permian is producing around 3.6 million. This epic pipeline will be getting rid of about 600,000 of that 3.6 million. So still going to be some need there for for some more infrastructure to get this stuff, uh, get the stuff, get this oil transported. But it is certainly a step in the right direction. So they're set it is coming on around 2019, like we mentioned. Maybe we can get uh, Blackman on to give some of his insights on it. 
maybe in the next week or two. Last one run, best oil stocks, Callum Petroleum, Rose, Light Game Busters, and Permian Basin. So this is just a uh, mention of stocks. There was some shock when Callum Petroleum had some report earnings that came in early May, uh, earlier this month. The company uh, market capitalization nearly $3 billion uh, and an average daily volume north of 4 million shares. So anyone that's interested in stocks, Callum Petroleum is getting really high marks right now. Uh, so anyone that's looking to do some investing looks like a looks like a good company. They've been growing pretty consistently. So uh, go do some go do some research on them and see if it might be that. Of course, is for entertainment purposes fit. only and is not financial advice. Josh Shelton is not a financial advisor, nor is Ryan Ray. <laughs> the lawyers, the lawyers would crucify us. <laughs> so we, we gotta say it. We gotta say it. And hey, listen. Yeah. And one one other yeah, thing, Josh, absolutely. is if a company's doing good in the stocks, then they've probably got other work opportunities uh, opportunities as well too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think I think they have some sponsorship stuff uh, that they're that they have it there at the. Well, I'll link it in the show notes for anyone that wants to go and check it out. Okay. Well, that I think that's about it, huh, Josh? Anything else we got today? We've got the we did our reviews, did our roundup. Did our rig count? Um, I guess the YPE is the only thing we got left to plug, yeah. right? Yeah, maybe and maybe the sponsor uh, one more. Well, time. they're gonna we're gonna have to charge them twice this episode then. But uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, no, we will. Um, first off, YPE event this Thursday. Well, by the time you hear it, this Thursday night, May twenty fourth, I believe is the actual date. I will be there. Old Country Media, Christian Underwood will be there. Pud Rodriguez will be there. On Colonial, on the 13th hole, um, it's going to be a good time. Crawfish, adult beverages, um, all kinds of fun stuff. Ryan at GlobalEngineMe.com. Let me know. Get some tickets if you need some tickets your way. I think it's $75 to get in the door there. And, of course, as Josh mentioned, Drilling Info. Could not do the show without them, guys. Thank you so much. Be sure to thank them as well. And you thank them by picking up a free hundy. So go to GlobalEngineMe.com slash courthouse. Get your free $100 to start your account. And until next time, keep climbing.